the shirt with collar I ordered was a custom made uh, outfit from a Swedish designer called Casual Priest. <laughs> so. Please tell me you're joking. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not joking. I think, you, I think you should wear it if you tell your congregation. I'm that. looking that up right now. <laughs> Welcome to episode 31 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a good beer or another beverage of your choice. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is a craft beer shop whose primary focus is amazing beer, education, and hospitality. In addition to great beer and education, they promise that you'll always have an awesome experience at any craft beer cellar. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar. That's C-E-L-L-A-R, cellar as in like, you know, your basement. Craft Beer Cellar uh, by joining in on our conversation um, anytime, whether you're watching us live or listen, listening to us later. Uh, hop on Twitter. Give us a tweet at Pub Theology. Use the hashtag PT Live. Or you can comment on the Pub Theology Facebook page. And uh, thank you for listening. Again, you can watch us stream live where you really get some fun behind the scenes mishaps and mayhems um, Tuesday nights on YouTubes or on the pubtheology.com uh, website and listen anytime SoundCloud, Stitcher, our, or, or iTunes. Um, and your free beer comes in the form of um, lovely craft beer seller gift cards. I just, I just, mail some to uh, one of our last winners um, still haven't gotten the address from who was the second guy that won Dave Dehan David. yeah he hasn't he hasn't hollered us with his address yet so come on Dave this tells me that you haven't been listening since I don't know a few weeks now so get up get <laughs> on the stick dude and send get us on. your address and I actually went down to my local craft beer seller here in um, I'm in Newburyport Massachusetts there's one in the town over Amesbury, where my church is, and I stocked up on some beer, like two six packs worth of beer, with one of these, uh, one of these couple of these gift cards. So good stuff. I'm good to go. You're good to go. Good to go. Excellent. Brian, well, tonight. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. It's like you wait until <laughs> I'm about to launch, and then I don't, you... I don't edit this out from the audio either. Without fail. Your, your audio editing Wait, is... Heavy. Hold on. Keep How can we... This is good this stuff. This guy tweeted in a comment. Can't we just tweet back to him? Yeah, Brian. I don't know who you're talking about. Who just tweeted us? No, no. The, the, uh, no, the winner. We, can, uh, we keep saying we you, can't uh, find his address, but we didn't tweet him or anything. We messaged no, him. he's on Facebook. We we met, we poked him a couple times. I re- replied directly to his comment on Facebook. And, oh, okay. All right, cool. Carry on. You know, he knows. So tonight we are discussing St. Francis' reported statement of preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. How does one preach the gospel without words? And what role does how you live your life play in this process? Uh, We'll also maybe get into what is the gospel, what do we even mean by that? We'll also discuss self-compassion and ideology and more. 
Well, my name is Brian Burkhoff. I'm the author of the book Pub Theology, and I'm the pastor of Holland UCC, a new progressive faith community in Holland, Michigan. And tonight I am drinking a Stone IPA. With us, as usual, uh, we have Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome, guys, and let us know uh, what what's on tap. Uh, I am Reverend Ogan Holder of Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, and I made a run to Craft Beer Cellar today because they're our sponsor, so I frequent them. Um, I am drinking a fall a fall hornin. A fall, a, a fall hornin pumpkin ale. Wow, fall hornin. I thought you said fall yeah. morning, which I understood, and now I, I feel a little less earlier, secure but, about that. But now, but now I noticed that I misread. Either that or the letter <laughs> changed on me. <laughs> it is. It is by you Anderson know. Valley in Boonville, uh, California. But the bear with antlers makes like sense to you. Oh, nothing sorry. like a fall hornet. Bear with antlers does not make sense to me. None of this makes sense right now. And there are bats flying on the thing as well. It's a messed up kind of beer. Oh. All right. Um, Tina, welcome. I'm, I'm Tina Simmons. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm Tina Simmons, writer, graphic designer, project manager, um, author of the soon-to-be-published book, Zandrail. And you can – actually, if you can hunt me down on Facebook um, or on Twitter – you can actually vote on my cover. Um, we just put that out there as a poll, and Brian retweeted it on the Pub Theology site. So I'll keep it open for another like 24 hours or 48 hours. So feel free to jump in and give us your uh, your vote. And tonight I'm drinking homemade plum wine, and it's pretty awesome. It's warm, which is good. Oh, that sounds so awesome. Yes. See, so I maintain awesome. what I said a few weeks ago. This is why she is with the guy she's with because he makes her alcohol. No, because he's awesome, but it, this is a bonus. <laughs> this is a bonus. Yeah, that, that's, that's gravy <laughs> on top. I mean, come on. That's right. It's Tina. I think, I think that's the main course. And I helped. I, I helped pick the plums and cut them up, bottle them. <laughs> okay, you helped. <laughs> he does so, all the fancy stuff. <laughs> you know, we do want to acknowledge that uh, we are doing this episode during a historic event, which is not the first time for this show. We kicked off this show during a State of the Union, State of the Union address, the final one by President Obama. And tonight we are broadcasting, recording during the Cubs' first World Series appearance in over 70 years. So and, what can you say? Uh, yeah. So it is, it is top of the fourth, Indians still up to zip. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, the Cubs are just kind of warming up. You know, it's, it's been a while, this whole World Series thing for them. Yeah. Um, it has, well, for both of them, I mean, no one's, no one's again, I don't think anyone's except people in Cleveland is rooting for the Indians. But, they, yeah, but well, listen, but they were in the World Series in 1995 and 1997. In fact, I was at a World Series game in 1995. Yeah, but, you know, here's my thing. Does it count if you don't win it? Like, I mean, no, it doesn't. Yes. I mean, it. Well, I mean, it counts for you were in the World Series. You know, so I mean, it comes up. You win. You win the pennant. Whatever. Whatever that means. I don't you know what. Okay. Pennant. Okay, Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're proving my point. <laughs> well, I'm I'm bringing out the the uh, the rally cow for the, the oh Cubs. Oh, that's a thing. But. Uh, 
we'll see if we can work some magic uh, for those uh, those cubbies. <laughs> All right. So our first question, our warm up tonight is: What is your least favorite task or chore? Paying the bills. I hate paying I the hate bills. Paying like, or I, I I roll that under the category of what I like to call adulting. I hate adulting. You know, paying <laughs> the bills, sorting the bills. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, uh, can't, can't, you know, can't. The lights just happen, or or yeah. whatever. So um, exactly, those, can't people keep this stuff going here for me? And taxes, tax preparation, like yeah, terrible. You know, can I just tell you, um, as a minister, and you should know, you probably know this too, Brian. I don't know what it is, but 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 taxes, preparing taxes for ministers are so convoluted because of um, the various convoluted ways. And I don't mean convoluted, but the, the various ways ministers uh, are paid and reimbursed for services and things they can, you know, deduct on their taxes. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, so I'm working with um, an accountant who all he does is taxes for clergy. This is his entire business, just doing taxes for clergy. And and the kind of stuff that that we got to pull together and 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 keep records of and submit it is it is nutso. 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 So that's a whole headache that I'm still going through. I hear you. I hear you, Tina. A least favorite task or chore. You know what? I was trying to think, and I <clears throat> I couldn't think of anything that I absolutely hate doing. Um. I hate getting overwhelmed with everything all, you know what I mean? Like I hate doing everything yes. on my own and getting overwhelmed with it. Yes. But one-on-one, -on -one, I don't really mind doing anything. And I don't mind paying the bills as long as I'm in a good place financially. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't when hurt. He said, when he said that, I was like, yeah, when I was hurting, I was drinking wine while I was paying bills just to get yeah. through it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, how, how about I, I, I send you, I just change all the addresses on my bills to your address and I'll send you money to pay them and you take care of all of it. How's that? Uh, Ogan, I would seriously totally do that for you. Oh my God. <laughs> we got to talk. <laughs> what is We're happening? Laughing. Are you, are you kidding me to have someone? Ooh, that's one of the tasks of virtual assistants. I would do that. All right. We don't talk. That might be doable. Yeah. Let's what do it. What okay. is happening? Wow. Can I, is it too late to get in on this deal? <laughs> You scoffed. Never. You scoffed at first. It's too late. You I scoffed, and now I want in. Now you want in, right? Mm -hmm. What about? What <laughs> oh, do you hate, man. Brian? What, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's not mowing. I just did a hopefully a final mowing of the lawn, but I don't really mind that. I'd probably have to say making uh, lunches for my kids in the morning. Mostly because I don't like morning, and that involves doing things uh, that require a little bit of thought, a little bit of coordination, a little bit of uh, helping the having the kids help me find where their lunch boxes are. That's because you got too many kids. That's the problem. <laughs> well, it's it's. Let me tell you, it is a task and a chore, and uh, it's not my favorite. But the, the good news is, I have a lovely spouse who normally does this every day. Uh, and it's all I can do just to get out of bed and get some coffee and get them to school. But if she's out of town or unavailable and I have to do the lunches and get them to school, it's not a pretty scene. Gotcha. 
So you should. Some. Here's what you should do. You should have them all up half an hour earlier and make an assembly oh line with gosh. them. Make yes. it no. Make it make it a whole a whole like family activity. An assembly line. Everybody has a job. Everybody's got a job. You know, make it fun. Make it a fun thing. Says, says the guy with one child who can pretty much do everything herself. So, <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't take don't take anything I say. Yeah. Say to my nine year old, you had one job. Peanut butter. Come on. There you go. <laughs> exactly. You're fired. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, our, uh, well, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with St. Francis or with self-compassion? I love the self-compassion question. Yeah, it's kind no, of wait. a good one, isn't it? That wasn't it. <laughs> and we just talked about least, <laughs> least favorite task or chore, so I think maybe don't that, that's us, Ryan. We don't read the script. You just guide us. No, no, no. I totally did because I like the... Three ways. When you talk about um, you're too attached to ideology, that's my favorite. So. Oh, all right, all right. Well, you're gonna have to you have to wait for that one. Fine. All right. So where are we going? All right. So, uh, a quote from Scott Evans. He says, "Self-compassion allows us to give ourselves the gift of being adequate at many things, instead of exceptional at everything." So, do you practice self-compassion? Is that the same thing as saying, like, jack of all trades, master of none? It's kind of like that, isn't it? Um, no, no. I, I took that because it's, it's master of everything in the quote. I took it as trying to be a perfectionist and being, you know, trying to be able to do everything perfectly. And permission to not have to do that. Right. Yeah. That's what the saying says. Master no, of all trades, no that of jack of all trades and master of none means that... Yeah, think it through. Think it through. I just, no, it means you do everything mediocre. This is saying you're giving yourself permission to do some things okay instead no. of everything perfectly, not everything mediocre. Okay. Yeah, it's not the same. I, it, it's you, related. Brian. It's related, but it's not the same. Right. It was identical. That's what I said. Like. All right, fine. Then Carry like. on. We, we, missed the, we, we missed the like. We missed the like. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm so, sorry. We unliked it. Now we'll like it. <laughs> and we uh, maybe I'll share it. Okay. I'm going to put an eye rolling. See, I need an eye roll icon on Facebook. A little eye roll. I need a sound effect. I need an eye roll sound effect. Um, so back to the quote. Yes, I do believe this is um, being compassionate with ourselves because <clears throat> some of us have this tendency to, to strive for perfection. And I think it's okay to strive for excellence. There's a difference between striving for excellence and trying to achieve perfection because perfection is an unattainable goal. You can always do something a little bit better. I don't believe perfection exists. Striving for excellence, however, means you're mindful, you're using your skills, your talents, but you realize that along the way, there will be hiccups, there'll be bumps that things may not turn out exactly as you want them. Um, and to give yourself that, uh, that um, grace, if you will, give yourself the grace to let things unfold, to know that it will not be perfect, but it will still work out well. Yes, that is being kind to ourselves. I have Jack to agree. Of Jack of all trades. Whatever. Um, it reminded me of a um, Brené Brown quote, and I, I didn't look up the quote, so I don't know it exactly, but she, she basically says that on the, the opposite, the same coin, um, 
perfection is on one side and game and yeah guilt and shame are on the other because when you're trying to be a perfectionist you're trying to live up to somebody's expectations you know and and you can convince yourself that they're your own but usually it's somebody from your past that you didn't meet up to their expectations so you're pushing yourself and pushing yourself so yeah i think it's self-compassionate to not expect yourself to be perfect at everything or to be able to focus on the things that you're you know you enjoy doing instead of feeling like you have to do everything yes Absolutely. So uh, is, do you think there's uh, biblical support for a practice like this? Like we kind of think of uh, spiritual practices, at least coming from the Christian tradition, uh, prayer, fasting, caring for the poor, loving our neighbor, um, seeking justice, having fruit of the spirit, but we don't really think of self-compassion, right? Is, no, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of the things in the Bible, it almost seems in for good cause is more directed outwards than inwards. It's more about serving others. It's more about serving God. You know, you don't, you don't read in the Bible a lot of, you know, serve yourself and take care of yourself. Right. For, um, they don't focus on it, but you do see Jesus separate himself to be able to commune with God and take care of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did he did do that. I think often though it more turned out as, you know, he stirred up trouble and then ran away from the scene. Um uh, no, I think he, there were times where he intentionally seeks out a place of quiet uh, away from uh away from folks to that, to recharge and renew, but I think that gets into maybe self-care, which I think is not identical to self-compassion. I think they're related but not the same. Well, self-care is a self-compassionate thing. Uh, taking care of yourself yeah. is being kind to yourself. They're, right. It's an element of. It's not the totality. Same. Right. It's not the totality of, but it is, it is an element of uh, being compassionate to oneself. That's right. That's right. Just, if you didn't have it's any like jack of all trades. <laughs> it's similar, but it's not the same. <laughs> not the same. Related. Bring it full circle. <laughs> We're in the ballpark, just to use a, you know, Timely analogy. Uh, don't remind me. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of ballpark, we are, where are we? Where are we? Bottom oh, I just tweeted out to see if... Indians are up three right. zip. Indians have scored. Three zip, bottom of the fourth. Oh, yes. Uh, Josh on uh, Twitter. I, I put out a request on a scoring update. He said 2-0 Cleveland. He said, check that, make it 3-0. Yep. So thanks, uh, Logan, thank you, Josh. And Adrian has chimed in with his least favorite chore. He says, cleaning up in general, ugh. Cleaning no, up, I, I hear you, Adrian. My thing about clean, I don't mind, I don't like cleaning, and I have a high tolerance for mess. Like right now, my house is an utter disaster. But when I set aside a day or time for cleaning and I get into it, it is so cathartic. It is it is so uh, literally cleansing, but also metaphorically, I feel cleansed by doing it, um, and and I and I like the feeling afterwards. There's there's a certain sense of stewardship that comes along mm. uh, with that. Um, Do you want to come over? Bring in sense of order. No, you got four kids, man. I ain't I ain't touching that with <laughs> the pool. Tina can pay the bills. Ogan can do the cleanup, and uh, I'll I'll buy the beer. <laughs> 
I'm cool with that. No, actually, I'm one of those people that I could co totally go into a hoarder's house and clean it up without a problem. Like, I love to clean and organize. Um, oh, you're, uh, hired. I, you're hired. You, know, you are. You're both I, hired. But there's a huge emotional, like Ian was saying, there's a huge emotional thing to it as well that I think um, people get like that because they're attached to things. They're attached to ideas. They're, you know, they feel guilt and shame and they kind of just pack stuff in and forget about it. Um, so I think there's a whole emotional aspect to it too that I would love to help people through too. I wish, I wish. I have a whole corner. Go ahead. I was going to say, Tina, I wish you felt some guilt and shame about not buying a wired headset because that Bluetooth thing is still Did you hear me? Buzzing. Stop. Oh, yes, is it? Am I getting too close? Did you hear me say I just got off a yeah, plane from had, Pennsylvania? Had time to cut plums for wine. Prioritize, ladies. Yeah, like two months hey. ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> and my comment doesn't make sense anymore because we've lost the flow. So, you know, Brian, trying, to, trying, to keep, trying to keep this whole thing moving along, you know, just it takes it's, effort. Oh, it might be my oh. least favorite chore, in fact. You know, you know what happened you know what happened so so for those of you who are going to listen to the to the heavily edited podcast later <laughs> oh, little behind the scenes what is this like the second or third major restart for the episode at one time you know google hangouts crashed and brian's thing crashed and we had to restart the show so we so yeah. we are just kind of like we're just like whatever at this point so we don't know who's on first or what's on second third base Stop with the baseball references <laughs> i think this is episode 31 uh c for those who are keeping score at home <laughs> yeah uh end of fourth still three zero to the cleveland indians all right all right so cubs fans need to practice a little self-compassion and self-care um you know what so so um one of my one just, of my closest friends say. she was uh she's a she was a what do you call it? Uh, she was in classes with me at seminary, classmate, and she's my prayer partner. We call each other uh, every week and and you know check in with each other, kind of do like a little ministerial venting, and and we pray with and for each other. Uh, she's from Chicago, diehard Cubs fans, and both she and her husband, and they are so excited for this, and at the same time, there is still that sense of we are not gonna get all the way excited. Because we we don't want to dare be disappointed like we've been for the last hundred years, but but they can't help be excited at the same time. It's a weird place that that they're in right now. Right yeah. now, can we no talk doubt. about when people get too attached to an ideology? <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, we we can we can jump into that. We can jump into that. All right. Uh, so this is a quote taken from. Uh, professor from North Park Seminary in Chicago, fittingly, and he says three top signs that you may have become absorbed into an ideology. Number one, you show excessive emotion at the person or persons who disagree with you. Two, you have an inability to take the other side of the argument with any degree of seriousness. And three, you have the naive assumption that your position is true without ever really having checked the facts or examined any of the history behind uh, your sources of authority. So have you ever been in a place of being absorbed into an ideology or have you seen that in others? Um, well, um, I would say since I'm usually 
always right. I don't have to take the other side of any argument seriously. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you know, you know I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I would say that I was in that place. I was in that place when I was growing up and um, uh, part of the evangelical Christian movement that I was in. And I'm not saying this to, to knock the movement or anyone involved in it. I'm speaking for myself. And um, as a result, when I had a crisis of faith, I think it was that much more uh, profoundly intense for me because for so many years... I was walking around with this idea that my belief, my my theology, or my ideology in this case, was right. And I was um, ups upset when anyone would oppose it. I would tell people they were wrong if they didn't believe. And um, yeah, yeah. So so I was in that in that place. And interestingly enough, when I got into Unity and first embraced Unity's teachings. I was kind of the same way about Unity's teachings, <laughs> right? You know, I I became yeah, no, I hear you. fanatical about those two, and and it took me a while. And this was my second crisis of faith in seminary when it took me a while to realize, oh wait, I am I I I've become the same person again, just for a new set of teachings, and that and that Unity's teachings and theologies are not it. They are just you know to use the analogy of, of the Tao, you know, they're just one spoke on the wheel, like all the other spokes, like like all the other religions and all the other strains of Christianity. They're just just another spoke on the right. wheel. So yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's just uh one adequate spoke. It's not the whole wheel. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it took, uh, took me a second, yeah. but I got it. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I mean, I've certainly, as you have been in this place myself and also experienced it in others. Uh, and I think for me, uh, I don't think I was even aware that I was sort of totally absorbed into an ideology. It was just, this was what I thought this was what I assumed was true about the world, about God, about Jesus. And that was it. Right. I didn't realize that how many layers were happening there that, you know, I was born into this religious tradition, which was one of, you know, so many different religious traditions uh, within Christianity, let alone world religions and even the scale of human development and human religious um, development and what that timeline looks like. And I mean, I just was so naive, I think. Um, so, you know, the third point, naive assumption that my position was true without really checking any of the facts or examining the history behind it. And when I began to do that, it allowed me to, to hold, to be less tense when I heard other perspectives because I began to realize I don't have the whole picture here. And there's a lot more mystery and a lot more unknown to um, God and faith than I ever realized. Yeah, there's more. There's more unknown than known. I just say that to somebody today. Um, I'm like, there, there's no bottom to this. We, no matter how deep we go in our faith, in our spirituality, in our um, uh, understanding of God, there is no bottom. Like right. Exactly. Um, but but you know what, Brian? Listening to you, it just you know, it makes me think. Though, like you, most people grow up learning a religion as if it is fact, 
and they don't even know other religions re exist, or if they do, they're wrong. You know, they're sinners. Right. They're yeah, you know, exactly. They, I mean, you grow up with with Christianity is the only way to go, as if this is the color purple. There is no nothing else. So yeah. I see why so many people never That's question right. it because you can't. You know, it's it's. Yeah, you, yeah, that's right. You you know, you're taught exactly. it's a fact. Exactly, it is a fact. I think this election, first of all, we experienced tons of this with, you know, people mm. not fact-checking, but then there's facts out there that are completely contradictory, you know, and, and people get so heated and so angry, and they're, I, I see people that, like, normally are, to me, are really, you know, kind, generous, wise people going crazy about this stuff, and you know, it, it's, it's kind of weird for me. Um, I, I, part, you guys, I'm kind of, I know I love to argue with Ogan, but I'm kind of, um, I don't like confrontation very much. So when I, I don't really discuss spirituality or politics with people, if they have that kind of heat about them, does that make any sense? Like I'll discuss it with somebody if there, it's a questioning environment and we can discuss like we do here. But the second somebody's like, no, you have to believe this. Like, dude, I, I do a shutdown. And, but if, you know, if I think about the world as a mirror of me, like I, I guess I have, I have to have some things about me too that are, I believe this and it has to be true. I just don't know what they are. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you can't, you can't argue or discuss with someone who's rigid in their beliefs. Yeah, and, so I don't see the point. I just shut down. Right. And 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 you know, back to what you said earlier, we don't, we don't we don't argue. We will have discussions. We will come from different places, but we both know about right. each other that we are not rigid, that we can that we are open to seeing other sides of whatever we may be purporting. Rigidity is one of these things that is scary and you see it in like I said, no matter where, politics, religion, non-religion you know it's it's almost a personality trait yeah. that does not lend itself to any kind of evolved discussion has humanity yeah. always been like this sorry brian go ahead i would say yes we, well i was just go ahead well i was just gonna say that uh, i think you know a conversation like we have or like pub theology is about is is having multiple perspectives at the table and being okay with that and not everybody is able to enter into that space and do that. And I've been at pub theology conversations where someone does get excessively emotional. They do have the assumption that they're absolutely right and everybody else who doesn't agree with them is wrong. And when that happens, the conversation generally doesn't go well. And so a question is, how do you engage someone or can you engage someone who is not able to even begin to consider other perspectives without that excessive and irrational emotion. No, I don't think you can. I mean, I feel like, I feel like whenever there's an emotion like that, there's fear and anger behind it. And you can't rationalize with fear and anger. Yeah. And I think what part of it is too, is that people have um, allowed their identity, who they are to be conflated with what they believe. And so when someone says, well, actually, I don't believe that about God or about, you know, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or whatever the t 
topic is, right? When someone says, I don't believe that, if someone has totally tied their personal identity to a certain worldview or way of seeing things, then they react defensively without realizing, I'm not attacking you. You're a human being who's welcome here and cared for and, you know, all of that good stuff. Let's just realize, let's hold you uh, over here and the things you believe over here, those things are not identical, but some people haven't taken the time to tease those things apart. And so they respond as if you're attacking them personally. Because who are they if, if this isn't true? Right. Maybe. Exactly. And the other thing that we see um, more often than not in the political arena, but also in, in the religious arena, is this idea that we can't hold two seemingly opposing thoughts as true at the same time. Or the fact that there aren't even boundaries, that we made these boundaries up. We made up Democrats. We made up Republicans. We made up Christianity. Like, these are boundaries that we created. Wow, easy. I was with you on those first two, but come on. (laughs) (laughs) I might need some more IPA here. This is getting serious. Yes. Well, yes, we we didn't make them up. And in, in all three of those cases you just stated, the boundaries have shifted. The The idea of what these things yes. mean has expanded. I mean, uh, uh, I was listening to, uh, I don't know, some podcast or something. They were talking about politics, and they said, it's interesting that in the last, you know, this election, the last election, the the candidate that was probably the more religious, the more affirming of their and public about their religion was the Democrat, the Democratic candidate, which is not right. something we've seen, you yeah. know, or experienced for for some time. You know, and, so, and go ahead. Okay. What happens then when two of your hardcore beliefs contradict each other? Hmm. Well, then you have a you have some kind of like internal crisis. It it becomes an awareness that it's time to shift something, and you have a choice. You can either ignore it, you can just blindly pick one, or you can you can do the the emotional and mental work to process them through and ask, what do I really believe? And then to to add to the mix, and I just I just blogged about this this past weekend. Implicit bias. You know, we say we believe a certain thing. We say we embrace a certain belief, but then our actions prove differently or things we say subconsciously. And we see it with sexism. We see it with racism. We see it in so many different arenas, you know, and and where it shows up, where it shows up a lot in a lot of progressive churches is progressive churches that say, you know, we welcome everyone. Our doors are open. We welcome everyone. It doesn't matter your orientation, whatever. We are an open and welcoming community. And then, you know, heaven forbid a drag queen walk through the door. Then it's like, whoa, this is kind of like, we're not ready for all this. You know, I thought I thought you were going to say then a really conservative person walks in. <laughs> that too. That, <laughs> right. We didn't, that, you, you bring up a good point, though. You know, Hugh Hallowell, you know, um, Hollowell, yeah. He he had a, a big long post before about um, somebody that, like pedophiles being allowed in church. Right. And, you know, people have a problem with that. We're, we accept everybody, but that's where we draw the line, you know? Right. 
Right. And and for for any new listeners, uh, Reverend Hugh Hollowell is um, minister, the pastor of Love Wins Ministries in Raleigh, North Carolina, that um, is a ministry serving the homeless, the disenfranchised. Um, look him up at Love Wins Ministries. He's been on this podcast, um, I think, once or a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, great guy. But but yes, his thing is we will welcome everyone regardless um and many people say well you know there's safety issues at play and of course safety is paramount but again here's that thing with those two opposing ideas we can establish safety and boundaries where everybody is protected and have someone like a a, a pedophile or rapist at our communion table the two are not mutually exclusive it's going to take a lot of work and acceptance on everyone's part Right. But the two aren't mutually exclusive, because part of part of the safety is protecting the the rapist and the pedophile from their own impulses. So it's a, the the safety is going both both directions. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, where are we? Still still three zero. Baseball baseball score. Still three zero. And what what's the inning? Uh, what is the inning? They're not. They're I mean, not, the fifth now. They're doing play-by-plays and not tell me which the fourth. Come on. Yeah, update. Oh, by the way, in case anybody cares, um, NBA officially, new season officially started this evening. But I don't think anyone really cares. Ooh, yeah. Who? I'm not sure. We're going to watch. Some, <laughs> I'm gonna go, it's the bottom of the fifth. I'm going to go watch some basketball when this, <laughs> when this game is done, when the show is done. Are you serious? You're not going to tune in the baseball? I'll keep the scores, I'll keep the scores running. No, 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 no. You need to watch... Listen, no, baseball is the most boring game to watch. I am Brian, so how attached to your oh, ideology of baseball are you? <laughs> really? I'm getting emo- I'm getting excessively emotional right now. <laughs> I can tell. I cannot take your side with any degree of seriousness. And I have so the right. assumption that my perspective is the right one. You, you got that right. Baseball <laughs> is so boring to watch. No, it's actually now here's the truth. I love going to live games. It's fun being in the energy. Yes. Mm. Seventh inning stretch, all the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, a hot dog, a beer. Right, exactly. But watching it on TV, no. Uh-uh. Also I'm good. I'm asleep. By, I'm asleep halfway in the third inning. No. Listening on the radio, also very good. See, but then you're not listening really for the game. You listen for the commentators. Yes, because they're describing the game. No, they're talking about so many other things. They got to work that hard to make it exciting. Oh, you stop. Yes, that's part of the beauty. Part of the beauty. Part of the magic. No, 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 no. If you gotta make if you gotta work that hard to make a game exciting, something's wrong with the game. Okay. NBA Listen, basketball. It's October. There's no dumb woman. It's October, but the uh the boys are giving us a little more summer in the World Series. Go. Come on. End of the fifth, Indians still up three zip. Right. Which brings us to St. Francis, who reportedly said, uh, play left field, and if necessary, use words. Nice. No, actually, he said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. So how do you share the gospel without using words? Because your actions are so much more than your words are. Yep, your life, your life is your message. Is that true? Yeah. Is that thing just, I mentioned before about implicit bias? You could say what you want, but it's your actual actions and choices, how you show up in the world. That's the true message. That's what people 
gravitate to. That's what people will quote you on later. So, yeah, words, words, words don't matter. I think as much. You just used words to describe that to me, though. Does that count? Uh, well, we are. <laughs> it's all shows about words. <laughs> we are. It wouldn't be much of a show. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe one day, what we need to do is all get in the same space together, and, like go do a service project or something. But this is yeah. a podcast. Words you know are. Words are, words are words are good too. You just brought up a really good point though. Maybe that's the problem because you know I love social media. I absolutely love it. But maybe that's the problem is that we are doing so much more talking than we are actually doing anymore. Well, dialogue is important, I think, because a lot of a lot of times the uh, the separation or the 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 dysfunction we have because as we were talking earlier, people just holding on to their ideology and not shifting and not being open, you know, part of that has to be resolved with discourse. A few hundred years ago, it was resolved with a sword in the gut or a club to the head. Um, we don't want to do that anymore. And there's still parts of the world where that's happening. But for most of us, we realize that violently resolving a dispute is gonna create losers on both sides so no i hear you i hear that but don't you think that you'd have a much better conversation um working side by side in a soup kitchen kitchen with somebody or planting trees in a park than you do spouting stuff at each other on facebook oh absolutely sure probably yeah i don't know i'm missing community right now well, I mean, I think the challenge is that we have such easy access to social media and, you know, uh, in-person engagement like you're talking about takes time, schedule, um, resources, they say energy, that, yeah. all that stuff, which, it, you know, it, it's valuable. But Yeah, they say the best thing about social media is now everyone has a voice. And the worst thing about social media, everybody has, everyone has a voice. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, look at us podcasting. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, yeah. the universe right now is, is sort of like, really, guys? Yeah, the jury's still out <laughs> on this one. <laughs> May yeah. not be a good idea. <laughs> we need a little self-compassion. Come on. This, this you know. is true. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us about that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I, I think that's what he meant was that, you know, like Ogan said, your actions are so much more than the words you're you're speaking. The boy, My boys and I had a discussion this weekend about that, how – the big difference between do as I say, not as I do, and practice what you preach. Practice yes. what you preach, you're going to get a much better result. No doubt. And I, you know, I think the irony is that a lot of Christianity has made, um, has made accepting the gospel into a, or the gospel period, into a verbal thing, right? We've made it into, well, we need to preach a good sermon or we need to share our faith. We need to evangelize with words. We need to tell people about Jesus. And then they need to say certain words to be in the circle, right? They need to pray a prayer. They need to say they believe the right things. And then they're in, and then that's all there is to it. Right. And if you want to, and if, you know, in the true vein of Christianity, which is following the model that Jesus presented, well, he did both. He did words and he did actions as well. Yeah, so he put up or shut up. Yeah. Well, first, well, you know, he said what he was going to do, and then he did it. <laughs> that's right. There's no shutting but, up. But this is why I think you need both. He just didn't walk around performing miracles and healing people. He he preached. You know, he did the Sermon on the Mount. He, he, he 
when he fed the five thousand, it was after they sat and listened to him. So he did. He did. No doubt. Both. No doubt, and 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 I think that's right. I think uh, words have their place because I think words uh, present ideas and give us a framework out of which we are doing certain actions. And not all words are the same, and not all beliefs are the same, and not all views of um, goodness, justice, equity, life, faith are the same. And so, you know, those things do matter. But if there isn't the weight of authenticity that actions provide, it makes people wonder about whether those words matter so much. All right. Preach. <laughs> Kaboom! Wow. Well, it is. Uh, I don't know. We have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what time it is or what inning it is. I don't even know what game we're playing anymore. It is. It is ten oh eight. Um, it is in the sixth inning, still three zero. Good. I was hoping to tune in before the seventh inning stretch. So we're. Well, that's know. why you're rushing us. I thought the, I'm not, I'm I thought the pace of the show was a little accelerated. So eh, I'm not really rushing. <laughs> No, no only, rushing. It's it's only top of the sticks. We're good. <laughs> oh, we're good. Okay. Take a deep breath. Enjoy that plum wine. There you go. <laughs> Do we have another question? Are we? I don't know. Yeah, kind of. We went kind of fast through these. You know. Um, that's, that's, that's is being well. We tweeted out: Is being a Cubs fan a spiritual practice, a religious obligation, or a holy endeavor? And Ogan uh, responded with, "It's more like an act of blind faith." <laughs> I did <laughs> I like that. Right. <laughs> uh, really? I think that's right. I think that's right. And no one's no one's bitten on that one on Twitter. So uh, it's 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 all right. But you know, um, uh, in all honesty, you know, you got you got to root for the Cubs, man. They they've suffered too long. It kind of feels like it, doesn't it? It does. I mean, what when was their last actual World Series win? Like a hundred years ago, hundred one years, hundred and eight. Oh my god! That like, against my Tigers, and I kind of still hold that against them. So actually, maybe I'll root for Cleveland. Oh come on, dude! <laughs> <laughs> forgive them. Let go and forgive. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, 1908. I'm I'm so worried about what happened uh, in baseball then. I, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure the baseball of then would hardly be recognized compared to the baseball of now. All right. So so quick question on. Uh, Different topic, not on our sheet. We're just kind of... Oh, we're winging it. Hold, let's we're go. winging it here. So, Ogan, I, I tuned in to your Sunday morning service uh, a couple oh, weeks dear. ago. Oh, dear. I don't like where this is going. Oh, right where now. is this going? No, no, no. no. Stay <laughs> with me. I, a, I enjoyed it. I, was, I mean, I would have loved to have been there. It just was fun and very engaging and good music and good energy. So, well done on that end. Thank you for watching. Well done. And then my question is, uh, as I'm starting a new community, I'm... I like how he started with the good stuff and said, all good on that end. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. This is totally... Okay. No, you'll, you'll like it. Uh, so I, I have never worn a clergy collar, even though I've been ordained for 11 years now. But I think I'm going to wear a collar in my new community... And I noticed you, you know, you're wearing a jacket and a nice shirt, uh, but you don't wear a collar. That's not in the unity tradition, I'm assuming. That is correct. It is not. And have you ever worn a collar or would you? Um, I, I have not. Um, 
but I do know of I do know of a handful of uni ministers who have basically okay. unity like wear 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 whatever you want. There's no right. no, and I I wear the suit and the clothes I wear because I like to dress up for me. Right. I was gonna say Ogan cares way too much about how he looks. <laughs> to wear a collar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think what this. I think what the wearing the the black shirt with the collar and black pants. I think what that will do for me is not. I won't have to think about what I'm wearing. It's kind of like the uniform. It's enough I, I, to think about on a Sunday before worship. And in many ways, it, right. And in many ways, also though, it does it does establish a sense of. Um, Authority is not the word I want to use, but but a sense role. of your role, right? Role. Yeah, association. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I think you can have that without wearing the collar. I mean, I think I have that where I am, and I don't ever wear collar. But but the dressing up thing, honestly, is also part of um, a family ritual between my daughter and myself. Nice. Um, she likes to shop. I like to shop. Saturday night, we pick out the outfit together. Like we, you know, we throw down the Ooh, option. I like it. Yeah, uh, I am. I am. I am by admission a little bit colorblind. I got some red, green, green color blindness going on. So sometimes I don't match the color as well. So, <laughs> nice. so she helps me out with that. But it's become part of our like father daughter ritual. It's been this way for years, you know. So so that's but that's part of it as well. I also think it's it's your personality. Oh yeah. You know, That's- like you know, I, I I can't picture you like Brian has a more more serious um Ooh. I mean you're very laid back, Brian. You're very laid back, but Hogan's <laughs> like this like colorful I think the word you're looking for is uptight. No, no, I would never call you uptight. I wouldn't call you uptight. I know uptight people, trust me. Um right. no, but I, I think you're you're um a little more traditional, laid back, a little, you know, more take, downtown, quieter. Like it that, fits you to wear a collar. Take okay. that because I've never done it. So I'm take that I'm foot out of your mouth slowly. Take the foot out of your I'm mouth. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying it's a personality <laughs> thing. Like you're just yeah. Ogan in a collar would just be funny because he's not that whoa, serious. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> whoa. I mean, you get serious, Kaboom. but you're all over. <laughs> I mean. I'm not part of your congregation, Ogan, but I'm your friend. I know you. You're all over the place with with emotions, and you're like theatrical, you know. So to have someone, this, Brian, just, Brian, someone, neither of us are coming out looking good. I know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of truth coming out though. So I, I like that. I don't, think, I don't think I said anything bad. No, no you did. Awesome people. You're good. You're good. I I, I think the ultimate um, decider is what makes you feel comfortable. What yeah. is jeans and a button down going to make you feel comfortable? Is you know that's what would make me comfortable to be honest. So I'm a little then do it. Then be be comfortable. Is is where I am. Well, I, I will say I will say that the uh, the the shirt with collar I ordered was a custom made uh, outfit from a Swedish designer called Casual Priest. So, <laughs> I mean, tell me you're joking. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not joking. I think you- I think you should wear it if you tell your congregation. I'm that. looking that up right now. <laughs> I went. I went all in. I, you know, That's I thought awesome. if I'm going to wear the collar, it's got to be. It's got to be right. I agree with Ogan. Though. I think you should do whatever priest. you feel good. Whatever you feel comfortable. Like they're going to love you no matter what you, you present. Oh you my know? dear God, that's a real thing. <laughs> Did you think he was lying? <laughs> and these priest models are hot too. Look at them. See what oh, I'm saying? Goodness. 
tailored, modern, confident, and stylish. See? Exactly. That's what I'm going for. Now I have to look it up. What was it? Casual priest. You've got to look at this. This is awesome. <laughs> and they don't make it until you order it. So oh it's kind of like goodness. you give them your size and then they, they make it. Wow. So I may, I may not see it okay, until 2017. Oh, oh, Brian, you got to get the Adam short sleeve. Slim fit jersey oh, with short sleeve and the collar. I went with a long sleeve. You got to get that. That is awesome. It's the winter time. He'll get that this summer. Yeah, oh exactly. My goodness. You know, snow on the ground by the time it shows up. So here's the thing you should wear. So you know how you have the collars with like just a piece of cloth around them that, that tucks under your usual button down or whatever? Oh just God. wear one of just wear one of those without a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be sweet. I did pick up a nice stole, you know, like the uh the cloth that you hang around yourself. Right. And I got a uh, sort of multicolored um oh my goodness. Knitted cloth stole to go with my casual it? priest. So look wow. out. This is hysterical. Yeah. Oh, I like this. Okay, so casual free. We call them, see if they become a sponsor. My vision <laughs> when kidding. So about them, my vision when creating the casual priest collection was to be able to strengthen ordained women in their role through clothing. Now I've realized that vision and even including items for men. Okay, see, I could get behind that. Yeah, I could get behind that. That's. I'm that, checking out the jewelry. <laughs> that's very cool. Maria Sojin Sodin Stockholm. That that is hash, hashtag sexy priest. Right? Nice. Oh my goodness. You gotta, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do it, you gotta go all in. Awesome. I agree. That's awesome. Okay, now we have to get pictures. You have to take no, a picture. No. <laughs> right, see, now now that now that I know what you're talking about, yes, dress dress like <laughs> you go, Brian. <laughs> Ogan's ordering off the site right now. I know he's already, he's already putting in his measurements. <laughs> still on here. <laughs> oh man, he's gonna send this to Joy for his Christmas list. Thank you. That made my night. Honestly, casual <laughs> <laughs> priest, love it. Oh love it. man. Well, I think we are moving toward a close. Uh, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. We would love you to connect and spread the word on social media. Of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. And you know what? Drop us a review over at iTunes. We would love that. If you want to find a conversation like this in your own town, a pub theology group just hanging out at the local brewery, bar, or pub, go to pubtheology.com slash directory and find uh, some folks near you. And thanks again to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And do we have a final scoring update before we head out into the night? Oh, I'm sorry. I was still on Casual Priest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no 3-0 somewhere. I think we're still in the 6 All right. Well, go Cubs go, and we are out. <laughs>
Wait, what? <laughs> well, the a- the axe in your the hatchet in your belt did not hurt. Right. <laughs> like, 